Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today, part two of this dynamic episode with my friend Michael Merkel. In part one, you heard about his traumatic accident, and you heard about how he survived COVID three times, and he had a, a traumatic accident where he coded, where he stopped, his heart stopped beating, everything else three different times. I want to pick up this conversation now. If you heard part one, we're going to pick up this conversation where Michael has has gone to the hospital after his accident, his wife and her conversation with her pastor, their pastor saying there's still life there in him. And so, Michael, you go through these surgeries. They're piecing your body back together. You mentioned in part one the the things that they had to do to piece your body back together now the surgeries for the most part are done but they're never really done so you you are starting to recover are you are you conscious at all when when did you no. regain consciousness after the accident i did not i did not uh regain complete consciousness until the end of october um, it was just a few days of the last week of October um, when they um, were able to move me from the hospital to um, to uh, the the re rehabilitation hospital. So it was over a month that you were unconscious, correct? I want to make sure that I have the timeline correct there. Yeah, yeah. So from September. 28th to October 28th, I was uh, in into um, shock trauma. Yeah, yeah. And on the 28th of October, they moved me into the nursing home and rehab, rehab facility here in Centerville uh, on the Eastern Shore. Do you remember waking up? Do you remember kind of what it was like for you because a month is a, a substantial time i mean here's why i asked that michael most people go to sleep you know if you sleep 
eight, nine hours or something like that, you don't remember anything that happens while you're asleep unless you have to get up and go to the bathroom a couple times a night, which when you get to be my age, close to 50, start going to the bathroom a little more during the middle of the night. But, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't remember things in the middle of the night. You're asleep for a month. What was it like when you woke up for that first time? Um, so let's go, um, let me go here with it. As I said in, in part one, I, I had, um, I had a collapsed lung, uh, because of the surgery, I had also developed pneumonia, uh, which they, the doctor said was normal. And then on top of that, I had developed COVID for the third time. Um, they did take me off of life support, but then they moved me right to the respirator. Um, and like I said, like we were saying, I was sedated through that whole month. And, um, so I remember the night that I woke up and that I remember, okay, um, I, I know I remember it was dark. My vision was still messed up a little bit. Um, but I remember being in this room and the way that I was sitting. Uh, and I looked around and I said, okay. I know I'm hooked up to equipment. I know I am in a hospital. I just don't know where I am, what happened, or how I got here. I didn't freak out. I did what I what I do. I prayed. Um, I had the respirator in my and so I wasn't able to breathe on my own. Um, so um, it was that was something that God taught me how to pray and meditate internally and to listen to His voice. I, I was already learning how to meditate upon God and to hear from God. But because I wasn't able to, and, and, and let me say this, I, I am nowhere against praying out loud. Um, but as my late pastor used to tell me, we have one mouth and two ears. And we can't hear from God if we're always shouting and yelling and uh, so yeah. forth. Well, Michael, here's the thing too. My mom, my my mom, and dad always used to tell me, "You don't have to tell everything you know." Yeah. <laughs> Be, because there are times, and again, you know, from a spiritual connotation, there are times that 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 we verbalize things that we shouldn't verbalize, how we're feeling, things like that. Because again, it's it's when you put it out there from a spiritual perspective you're letting the enemy know how you feel what you're going through and things like that. Yeah. And, and he can use those things against you. And so I, I'm, I'm 100% in your corner because yeah, there are times that, that I'm feeling things that I don't want to let him know that cause he's going to use it against me. You know, I think sometimes, I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes the people of God forget that, even though they're good and evil or opposite, that I, I think they relate God and Satan being opposite, that God has got all this power on the good side, but Satan's got all this power on the evil. 
But if you really read the word of God, we serve only one omnipotent, one omniscient, um, and one omnipresent. Satan can't be everywhere. He is not of all power, and he doesn't know all. Yeah. You know, and so when you take the scripture, life and death is in the power of the tongue. You're right. We have to be careful with how we express and how we speak. Because the devil does not know unless we speak whatever we're feeling or what we're thinking. Um, Let me ask you this. Looking back on that particular time, you, you said before your accident that you were learning how to pray and meditate internally. Yeah. Do you feel like that, that beginning that process before your accident helped you after your accident? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I when I came to God um, and I experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that changed my life um, all the way around. Um, and and all and and speaking in tongues, that was just so powerful that I don't know. In my young life, I felt like if I wasn't praying out loud and speaking in tongues and sweating and 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 you know, shouting and bucking and starting that, you know, I wasn't getting nothing done. Um, but as I got older, there was times that, that I started learning before the accident that God was dropping little things and into my spirit. Um, and, and I started to learn the voice of God because there was a season before the accident where I I had trouble praying. Um, and for the longest time, I had just went through worship, and I, I actually listened to a preacher who was teaching on kingdom praying, Brother uh, Bishop Chester Wright. Um, and when I listened to his teaching on that, it changed my life. And it was like the right help at the right time for the season that I was in. And um, I, I started on this new journey in prayer, and um, a lot of other messages that, that played into that, that God had used to teach me this. So when this accident came and I woke up, mm -hmm. um, I knew that my God could hear my thoughts, that yeah. even though I was praying internally, he heard me. Well, and, 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 and you said before, you said in part one, there was brain activity. So I'm firmly convinced, Michael. And, and people can say whatever they want to say. I'm firmly convinced because the scripture tells us that we that the spirit makes intercession for us with groanings and utterings that cannot be uttered. Man. I'm firmly convinced that even though you were unconscious, there was obviously there was brain activity or you wouldn't be sitting here talking to me today. Yeah. I'm convinced that your mind and your spirit was still communicating with God, even though your body was unconscious. I'm firmly it's convinced funny of that. You say that. Um, so when it happened, uh, my I, when I came out of sur one of my surgeries, I think it took like 14 hours total with, when you include me coming out of recovery from it. Uh, my sister had stayed up there through the whole thing of it, 
and she thought she could see me, but they, they weren't allowed. Uh, but my wife had finally made it up there to see me when I came out. And uh, she hadn't seen me since that accident. And there's a lot on that part that I'm not even going to get into. But um, she said that there's a couple songs uh, that she would play, Christian songs. And she said there was times that she would play it in my ear and tears would just start flowing down my face. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.carrd.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. There was a time when my mom, she had came up from North Carolina. This is one of the times that I do remember it during that sedation that I was coming in and out. Um, my mom is very, very sickly, physically. Um, but when she came into the, the hospital where I was, uh, I remember her dropping her dropping to her knees when she seen me because at this point they still didn't know if I was going to make it um, because they had trouble stabilizing my my heart. Um, even the slightest movement of my body was was uh, causing my heart to to skip. And um, so my mom had, had dropped to her knees in tears. And I remember I laid my, my left hand on her head and I started praying for her. And um, one of the nurses were able to help her get up. Um, but my mom even played a song in my ear and she said one night um, while she was there, they couldn't get my vitals right. My blood pressure was spiking. My fever was through the roof. They, they, I had a fever that they was uncontrollable. They had me on ice packs. They had this this blanket type thing that they filled up with water, plugged in to, to, to ice me down because they could not get my fever to come down, even with medicine. Um, and my mom played this song in my ear that everything's going to be all right. I, I think it's everything's going to be all right. And, uh, as she started playing that song, the doctors, the nurses' mouths just dropped because my vitals just started going to normal. My temperature started coming down. And uh, so, and uh, 
So we fast forward a little bit. I start coming out of it more that night. And I look, like I said, I looked around, realized where I was, just didn't know how or why I was there. And um, my mom had came in to visit me. They, they were trying to get me to start sitting up uh, at this point. Um, but I still kept falling out of it. Um, but I remember this one day, my mom was there and she did a video chat with a pastor friend of mine in Salisbury, Maryland, Sister uh, Janice Hathaway. And um, she prayed for me over that video chat. I couldn't speak because they still had the respirator on me. Um, but I was able to listen. And I remember her praying, saying to me that God was going to put doctors, nurses in my way to make sure that I was taken care of and I was going to be okay. And they were going to do, well, and that she prayed that, that, that the, and she, and she said that the Lord spoke to her the night before that, that God was going to send his angel to watch over me. Well, I couldn't speak at that point. So I held this in until I was able to talk again. But the night before that, I was sitting in that room, uncertain of what to do. All I could do was pray. And I forced my mind to start recalling scriptures from the word of God. And as I was praying, from the corners of my left eye and right eye, I could see these figures. And I thought they were two brothers from the church. So I start moving my hand, trying to get their attention. Uh, the one on my right was sitting there and had their hands up in the air. I knew they were praying, but I couldn't make out what they were saying. Uh, I did everything I could to try to get through them. And this one time my arm went where they were and it literally went right through that being that was there. And I said, okay. So I went back to praying. And I looked to my left. And out of the corner of my left eye, actually, I noticed something standing there. And I looked. I, I, I could barely move my head. So I could only move a little bit. And I glanced. And there was another, another being standing there with their hands up in the air. And I could see a book in his hand. I couldn't make it out. I tried to touch it, and it did the same thing that the right one did. My hand went right through it. That next day, I, I felt peace that evening. And I knew that God was in the, was, was watching me. Um, there was a couple nights before that. I'm a little out of sequence, I'm sorry, um, that I remember a night where the whole room changed. The whole room changed. Um, I don't know where I was, 
but it didn't look like a hospital room. And I remember seeing this dark black figure on the right side of me looking at me saying, look at you. Your life's in shambles. You're all beaten up. You're all beaten. Why don't you just sell your soul to me and I'll make everything all right. And I looked at that, that being and I said, Satan, get thee behind me in the name of Jesus. It came back to me a second time later on that evening. Same thing happened. The, the, the atmosphere changed, my environment. And there's just this dark, hopeless presence. Um, it was kind of fearful a, a little bit. And said the similar thing to me, not exactly, but it was similar. And I remember repeating the same thing. Satan, get thee behind me in Jesus' name. And on the third time, the third time, when it spoke to me, I said, Satan, two times now I have told you to get thee behind me in Jesus' name. I said, this time, you're not going to get behind me where you can speak your ears or speak your lies and your deceptions into my ear. This time, you're getting up under my feet. And I declare victory in Jesus' name. And I started moving my right, my right leg and foot up and down. And I, and I started declaring, I'm stomping on you in victory. This is my triumph in Jesus' name. And then that following night, like I said, I had those angels appear. And while I was in that, in that moment, um, my mind went to the scripture of Jesus being in that wilderness. I was hooked to tubes. Um, I wasn't eating. I wasn't even allowed to have water. I wasn't even allowed to have water on my tongue. The skin in my mouth literally was peeling. Uh, my tongue, I, I got to a point where I couldn't even feel my tongue anymore. Uh, it was so dry. Um, when they would put water into my IV, um, I literally could feel it go from the top, of, feel the inside of me and go throughout my body. And I longed for it. I remember nights laying there saying, when I get out of here, I'm going to drink gallons of ice cold water and never stop. <laughs> and um, there was nights that I would beg, I would beg the nurse. Um, Did they tell you water. why they wouldn't let you have water? Because of the respirator, because of the, they, because of the COVID, they still weren't able to take the respirator off me because I, I, my oxygen level was very low. But I had come out of sedation where now I'm conscious of everything going on. So I, I just had to keep myself, and plus I was fighting pneumonia with broken ribs and a lung that had collapsed. So. Um, uh, but when, when Sister Janice uh, Hathaway said that to me, my mind went to that scripture. And then even after the angels coming to minister to him. And um, then when it was time to take the respirator out, they felt they were going to have to do a tracheotomy on me. My wife had told them, no, don't do that. But I had got to a point where I told them I wanted them to do it. 
Um, and they, Sister Janice Hathaway, my pastor, they prayed against it and prayed that God would do something. And when they were going to take me back to do the tracheotomy, just before they were getting ready to do it, they decided, you know what? We're going to do something completely different. Something that we have an idea. We've never tried it, but we're going to try something. So when they took the respirator out of me, they put this little plastic piece that I had to hold in my mouth. It was, um, and it kind of had like a straw on the end. And it was to see if I could um, take care of, uh, of, of breathing on my own and not getting too excited and uh, monitoring, you know, how much water goes in me. I think I was only allowed to have, at that point, like a, a 13 ounce, or I don't even know if it's that much. It was just a few ounces that I was only allowed to drink uh, a day. So, and, um, yeah, but, uh, uh, so they, so they try something instead of doing a tracheotomy, which, which is pretty miraculous. And it, and, and of course it worked because the hand of the Lord was on you. Was that when you really started to feel like recovery was coming to you? I'm sorry. What was that question? I said, was was the moment they took the respirator out, was that the moment you started feeling like recovery was coming to you? Because, I, I mean, I have to think, Michael, that's a pretty big moment because it, you, you just said they were like, well, we don't want you to get too excited that you're breathing on your own. And obviously they were concerned that you being able to, to, to try to take those breaths on your own would be something that would elevate your heart rate, things like that, after being on that respirator for so long. But did you feel like that was a moment when you were starting to really recover? I will say that was a, was a moment of beginning to recover. But I think the biggest moment of, I remember that I knew I was going to recover and come out of this was the night that those two angels stood on my left and right. Um, I, I just felt at peace that everything was going to be all right. Um, I, I had the faith. I, I you know, I, I, I believe God could do anything, uh, whether he chooses to do it in his, according to his will, that's a whole, that's a whole nother <laughs> lesson in ball game. Um, um, how long was your recovery? How long were you in total in the hospital? So I was a month from September 28th to October 28th at shock trauma. And then from October 28th till January 15th into the rehab. When I got to the rehab, it took six nurses to do what they needed to do with me. I was so broken still from head to toe. Um, I, I wasn't able to walk. I had lost all movement in my in my legs, um, in my muscles. I started suffering from muscular atrophy. Uh, I wasn't even able to move my left arm. Um, when I was was able to start eating, I had lost motor skills. Um, 
So I had to relearn God. I'm, I'm going to say God did that because I never had therapy to re to learn how to eat. Um, but, um, there was times like my mom would bring me a sandwich and I would try to eat it. And instead of grabbing it on my plate, like I was way out in left field. And if I tried to bring it to my mouth, I, I, I was, it was over here. I had it here. <laughs> my shirt had more of my sandwiches than I did. <laughs> so God really had to teach me then. Um, and, uh, the only thing that really gave me comfort was my Bible. I couldn't hold it. I tried. There was a time that I was trying to tell the nurse even that I wanted my Bible. My wife had brought it. I just wanted to pick it up and read it. And, um, but I couldn't, uh, I wasn't even, my wife tried to, um, she had to bring my, she was trying to get my, my, uh, me to hold my phone to unlock it so that she could take care of the bills that I was paying, uh, because she couldn't get into my phone. And, um, I, I wasn't even able to hold it and do that. Um, but the fact that, that my Bible was in that room with me brought the comfort I needed. God had put two great nurses in my way to make sure I was taken care of. Um, when they moved me from, from ICU to, I think it's ICM or IMC, I can't remember the letters, but they took me out of intensive care unit and they put me into like immediate care. And uh, the one nurse, Brad, he, he brought me a, a Bluetooth speaker and I listened to all the Christian music I could all day. They tried to put TV and I said, no, I don't want that. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage podcast. I put preaching on, I prayed for nurses. There was a, a nurse or a doctor, so to speak, that her main job was to look at wounds and make sure that my wounds were healing and stuff like that. And one night I was sitting, or one afternoon I was sitting there and, and I still talk to her today. Um, she came, she's an apostolic out of Baltimore. She came in and she goes, I just feel the need to pray for you. And she started praying for me and against uh, demonic attacks and against sicknesses and uh, and, and towards my um, encouragement and for my faith. And um, there was a, a nurse, I remember one, one day, she was having a bad day. 
and I could tell uh, the whole aura just changed when she came in and um, she was slamming stuff and she couldn't find something. I looked at her, I said, just stop. I said, just, just come here a minute. I said, can, can I, can I hold your hand? She said, for what, Michael? What, what, what you want? I said, I want to pray for you. So I prayed for her. And after I prayed for her, you, you've seen this peace come over her. Oh, it, was, it was not uncommon for me to be praying for these doctors and nurses in there. Um, I guess I had made such an impact that when I left on the 28th, I had a line of nurses that were so sad to see me leave. They, they were happy I was leaving. They just told me time and time again, we've never ever had a patient who face what you face to change a whole room and environment like this. Well, they probably expected you to leave in a body bag. Let me, let's be honest. I mean, they oh, gave they you less than a, a 1% chance, Michael, of, of, of surviving that. I want you in the, in the last few minutes that we have together and, and man, I'm just, I, I haven't said a whole lot cause I'm just taking, taking in the story. You get out of rehab in January. Have you been able, it's, it's late June as we record this episode. Have you been able to resume a yeah. lot of your normal activities? How take us through January to where you are now and, and what you've been able, I mean, because if you're watching on YouTube, you cannot tell that this man has been through a traumatic accident. He looks as normal as anybody does. I will say this. That is the healing power of almighty God that has done, that has done that thing because you have, you, you're in shock trauma for a month. You have all these injuries. You're, you're not supposed to be doing some of the things you're doing, but God stepped in and did that work for you. So take me through the last five and a half months or so. How, how's your recovery been and, and, and how are things going for you? January 15th, I come home. Um, they helped me. I was able to get in and out of my sister's car. She brought me home because she was a nurse where I was working at. Um, at that point, I was able to walk with a walker. Uh, I still had this big, obnoxious boot on, um, which I just, in the last couple of weeks, got it taken off. And um, I, I do have a drop foot sound syndrome, um, but there is some feeling there. So the doctor's waiting for nerves to heal so that, uh, Lord willing, I, I'm able to have movement in my left foot again. Um, however, I am walking with a cane. I'm walking with a cane more than I'm walking with the walker. Uh, I'm walking with the cane more and using the, the wheelchair less. Uh, I'm climbing stairs. Uh, as some of anybody that can see the video, I am, I am in my truck. Uh, I get myself in my truck. And I am driving. There's no fear in driving. A lot of my family members were afraid that I was going to um, to be uh, driving. They didn't know how I was going to handle it. Uh, this past Saturday, the first time I went out of state, 
to go see uh, for my uh, for a family event in Pennsylvania. And my, uh, in fact, three months ago, I had x-rays done on my leg. And this was going to be the first time I got to see it, uh, my x-rays. And there's this little piece of bone that hangs out in my lower part of my tibia on the inside of my leg. And Dr. Slobogen, he wanted, he was ready to put me into surgery to have that bone cut out and do a procedure where that would put me back in the rehab where I would lose all my progress. And we're talking about six to eight months and I'd have to repeat this whole thing again. And I said, well, doc, before you get ready to shear in a tear in here, uh, I, I want to go home and pray about this. He says, well, if that's what you want to do, you, you know, we'll, We'll uh, wait six months, see what you want to do. I says, okay. That is where I found Brother Pascal Kreitz was coming back to the shore in April. I drove all the way to Federalsburg, Maryland that evening. Um, I was in pain going in there, um, but I knew I just had to get to that meeting. And I went in there and... He had the call to the altar, and I didn't feel any of the signs that he said that we might feel. But before he closed up, he made the statement. He said, some of you are going to go back to a doctor. And they're going to do tests and x-rays or whatever they're going to do, and you're going to find your healing then. And sure enough, this past la Thursday last week, I went back to uh, shock trauma for a follow-up appointment and they took pictures of my pelvis and, and x-rays of my uh, leg again and I wound up it was supposed to be an in-and-out appointment I was in there for well over two hours while one of the doctors that was in there I had two doctors in the room one of which that dealt with my my chest injuries when I came into uh, the very first time and another one was Dr. Gage, who was sitting in for Dr. Slobogen because he was out of the office that day. So they looked at my leg, and before I could get the words out that I wasn't going to do the surgery, Dr. Gage makes a statement, Michael, I don't think you need the other surgery. He said, I know there's that little piece that's hanging out. He says, but when I look at the other part of your bone, Compared to the other x-rays, something has taken place to where that we thought your leg wasn't going to heal right for some reason is now healing right. And I said, well, I know the name of that uh, for that some reason. I said, his name is Jesus. I said, and I said, it's healing because I know he touched me. Um, so they... Uh, he said that it looks like the pins and the, the bars are going to hold up, that I'm going to be okay. I don't need this other surgery. And he's going to let Dr. Slobogen know that. I go back in three more months just so I have a follow-up with him uh, to, yeah. I guess, kind of wrap it up. Um, and uh, that that's in a nutshell of, of where we are right now. Man, this is so incredible. 
this is really incredible. Michael, I am so thankful that you shared the story of your healing with me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And folks, let me let me give you some encouragement. The Bible tells us that of a truth, God is no respecter of persons. Doesn't matter if you serve him or not. He's still able to heal. He's still able to deliver and set free. I have just shared with you two parts of a podcast where this man, Michael Merkel, is a testimony to that healing. Michael, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing that testimony. We 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 know, listen, I I, I believe that 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 complete healing is coming for you. And I want you to 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 share that with us again. We'll have you back on and we'll give everybody a follow-up. But man, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.